Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this message in our current series. My name is Beverly Chapman. Some people call me Bev, and I live right here in East Falmouth, Massachusetts. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then when I was eight and a half, my mom passed away. And that was understandably a very difficult time. And after that, I wound up moving out to California with an aunt and an uncle that I had never met before. And that was a very difficult transition for me, um, partly because I didn't know them at all. And I was so far away from my family. Um, there was no, no other relatives that lived out in California except for them. So I was pretty isolated. I didn't get to see my dad and my brothers very much. So it was hard, it was really hard for me. I met my husband when I was in San Diego. He had come out to um, go to Scripps Institution of Oceanography to get his PhD in oceanography. And we just met randomly at a social event. And I remember when he walked in, I saw him and it was like stars went off. <laughs> and um, I was working the event. So he was socializing with these other people and I kind of kept an eye on him. <laughs> and. Uh, later he came over and he talked with me and then we spent the rest of the evening together and he wound up following me back to my aunt's house and then we went to the beach and walked on the beach and talked and talked and talked for hours and hours so that's how our relationship started we both found out we were Christians that evening and that made a huge difference that night when we were talking and talking he was going down his list in his head of what he was looking for in a woman, and I answered every question right. And I did not know he was questioning me like that. It was just having a conversation. And he told me that later that I answered all the questions, and he, he just couldn't believe it. And it, it was so obvious to us that God had brought us together because God knew that we were, would be together we were better together than we would be apart. From my experience, he was the most wonderful man. Um, he was very kind, caring, loving, compassionate. Um, he was very dedicated to his work as a scientist, but yet he did not see any issues between science and God. And that was an important part of who he was. Um, he felt like every time he discovered something new, that it was God showing him a little bit more about his creation. My son was born like two weeks after he got his PhD, and then we wound up moving back to Massachusetts so he could work at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. I always hated when my husband had to go away on a business trip. So there was this one time uh, we were going to church in Pocasset and I had dropped him off at the bus in Falmouth and the bus was going up the highway. I was sitting in church and I just started crying during worship. 
because I knew that he was going away from me and there was nothing I could do about it. Those were always stressful times for me and I was praying and I said to the Lord, I just want to crawl up in your lap and have you hold me. And I don't want to keep all this responsibility on my shoulders myself while he's gone. And God said, you can climb up in my lap. You know, I'll wrap my arms around you. That made such a huge difference because I don't know why I didn't give it to him before, but I had a peace then. And anytime he had to leave after that, it was so much better. And I realized after he got sick and he passed away that that was God's way of preparing me for living a life without my husband. David hadn't been feeling well for a little while. I'd gone to the doctor. Um, an astute uh, nurse practitioner figured that he needed to go and have some more testing done. And the test came back positive for pancreatic cancer that had already metastasized. And that was in August of 2003 that we got the diagnosis. And uh, we went up to Dana-Farber for treatment until the treatments didn't work anymore. And he had a good quality of life for about nine months out of that. He was still playing basketball and um, riding his bike that first summer. Um, and my kids, my son was um, a senior in college. My daughter was just starting her freshman year. So David did get to see Matt graduate from college, which was a big thing, you know, for him. That was really important to him. When we prayed, we always prayed, you know, that the Lord knew what our hearts were. The Lord knew that we would want David to be healed, but that if God didn't heal David, it was okay because we knew that God had a better plan. And I knew that if David was taken away from me, that God still had a good plan and a good purpose for my life. So he actually passed away in uh, July of uh, 2004. The joy of my life since David's past has been my grandkids. I have six grandkids. Uh, four of them live in Florida and two of them live in Massachusetts. And they just bring so much joy to my life. And I've had wonderful experiences with my Bible study ladies. Um, they are my best friends. And, you know, the groups have changed over the years. The people come and go and everything, but there's a core group of about four or five of us that have been together for quite a while. They're, they're sort of my, my rock. My faith has just showed me how much I can trust the Lord, that no matter what happens with the things that I've gone through, He's always been faithful. He's always been there for me, even before I had that saving relationship with him. He was there when I was a little girl. He was there when I lost my mom. And I didn't understand that then, but I understand it now. What a privilege uh, to hear Bev's story and to know her um, as one of, uh, one of those sort of pillars in our church community. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if she's in this service. I'm guessing she's not. She's pretty shy about this whole thing. But uh, would you help me thank her one more time just for sharing the story?
I was privileged to know Dave uh, 25 some years ago. We kind of met and developed this friendship and uh, uh, Dave in a short period of time had an outsized impact on my life. He was He was one of two people that God just used in my life in early ministry to help me see that uh, science and faith didn't have to be in conflict and how it looked to live that out and what a what a gift it was. When Dave was diagnosed, I remember uh, the early days of the internet. Some of you will remember the early days. And some of our people are so young, you don't remember when there wasn't an internet. But in the early days of the internet, back when you had those dial-up modems and stuff like that, when Dave found out his diagnosis, he, he shortly after decided that he wanted to kind of share this journey, this journey of faith with other people. And so he created a website that was called Facing Cancer with Faith. And he would just write updates. And, and in many ways, it was, it was not directed at his church community. It was directed at his friends in his colleagues in the science community. Just a, a way of walking through a journey and saying, this is what it looks like to face this with faith. What a gift it was to walk that journey with him. I think there's something to the Christian life at its most fundamental level that, that is meant to make us less anxious. That knowing Jesus, walking with him, having a life that believes that he is with us and that he cares for us, and that he's in control of the details of our life, makes us less and less anxious. I don't mean to say that it removes every shred of fear because we still wrestle with our, our, our human, broken uh, bodies and persons, but with Jesus, there is something that makes us less and less anxious because of his presence in our lives. I witnessed that in David's life, and it seemed like a good weekend to talk about what that looked like. In fact, in the passage we have in front of us today, Jesus says just that. He, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, he famously says this. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And it's of course not saying here that you don't need food or you don't need clothing. It's just saying that that there's something about this life with the presence of Christ in it that allows us to live without the, the worry, the anxiety of every day. That is why I tell you, he says, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? 
and your body more than clothing. And then, and then what he does is in the very next verse, he, he begins to tell us what that looks like, how, how that might get played out in your life. And so if you, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, it's a, it's a, a, a wonderful passage that just kind of unpacks for us in, in simple detail what it might look like to follow God in such a way that our lives are less and less anxious. Here's what Jesus says next in verse 26. He says, look. Look at the birds. And then he explains. He says, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. He says, look at them. Like, look. Do they look worried? Just pause for a minute. Go out and look at that bird. Did Did the bird lay awake last night? No, it did not. Did the bird wake up early this morning, laying there, ruminating? You ever done that? You ever wake up and... Anybody else, you ever wake up and it's like early, too early to get up, but you're up and you're angry because you know I ain't getting back to sleep. It turns out there's a word for this. I'm going to teach you a new word today. It's an old English word. True story. Old English word, utsiare. It sounds, I don't know, it sounds Italian, but it's, 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 it's English. It's old English, utsiare. I think they're putting it up on the screen. Uh, and, and, and it's made up of two pieces, this ut, U-H-T, which means uh, earlier morning in siare, which means care or sorrow. And it literally means laying awake in the morning, worrying about the day ahead. How is that for an awesome word? Utsiare. Here we go again. Utsiare. Man. He says, Look! <laughs> Look at the birds. They're not. They're not they're waking up early but they're waking up singing. It's different. Utsiare. Look. Look. Now the the inference here in this piece is that maybe we're looking at the wrong thing. In fact, he's he's not done here. Verse 27 or the latter part of verse 26. It says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And then it says, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And you see what he does here? He, he says, look, like... Okay, look at the birds. Look, just look at the birds. And I, I wonder if it wasn't that as he was writing this, he's like, look, and he sees a bird, and, and, it, and it becomes the, 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 the closest analogy. Look, you're looking at the wrong thing. And then, and then he gives us these, these questions, and, and they're questions we can ask ourselves, right? He says, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? How, how valuable are you to the Father? That's a question. How valuable are you to the Father? Like you're looking at the wrong thing, which you should be looking at when you're, 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 
you're, you're laying awake and you're utsiare, right? You're just, ah. Oh. He said, you're looking at the wrong thing, aren't you? Look at how much the Father values you. And then he says, can all your worries add a, a single moment to your life? This is a, a, a fancy way of saying, does worry work? <laughs> like, is, it, is that... Is that, is that working for you? How are you feeling other than tired? Right? Does it work? He's saying you're looking. Listen, you're looking at, at the wrong thing. And, and I just want you to shift your focus. I want you to look at something else. I want you to, I want you to look at God's, at God's goodness, at His faithfulness. I want you for a moment to look at how valuable you are. And you're laying awake there in the early hours of the morning and anxious about the day. I just want you to remember how valuable you are to the Father. That that anxiousness won't, won't, won't solve anything. You're, you're, you're focused on it, but it won't fix anything. But I would remind you of how much you matter to the Father, because that, that will make a difference. That reality of the, the faithfulness and the goodness of a Father who loves you, that will make a difference. And, and as if, if to, uh, to, to build on this idea, he goes on and uh, he, he says in, in verse 28, it's like he wants, to, he, he wants to find another illustration. And he says, and why worry about your, your clothing? Look at the lilies. He's, 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 he gives a second item. It's, it's like there's birds and there's, there's flowers. And he says, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as, as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. So it's like Jesus is it's saying, look, look, look. You're looking. You're looking at the wrong thing. It's just, it's just stop for a moment. Look. And he, he's, pulling, he's pulling random things, people. It's like, it's like birds. What does the bird have to do in the flower? It's just, it's a, there are these random, and I, and I think in part what, what, what he's saying here is that, listen, everywhere around you are the, the, the signs of God's faithfulness. They're the signs of his goodness in your life. And I just, he just wants us to pause and look at them. And, and, and here's, here's, how I, here's how I would, would word this. If, if, if we've begun by, uh, by remembering how valuable we are to the Father and how much he loves us, if that's where this story begins, then, then the story continues in this place with, with an invitation to, 
if I could word it this way, to collect signs of faithfulness, like to just look around you, collect the signs, look at all of the places that God has been faithful in your life and collect them, like, like, like put them down somewhere, remind yourself of them, write them, write them down, collect the signs of God's faithfulness. I think this is what I love about Dave's story and um i i've got i i could i could fill up a morning with some with some stories about dave but um maybe the most memorable moment and every once in a while in my role as a pastor and the way events proceed i'll i'll have the chance to sit with somebody who knows that their their passing is imminent and we we get to talk about their memorial celebration and it doesn't happen that often but every once in a while and I sat with Dave and the weeks before his passing and he was still pretty pretty vibrant and knew what he wanted to say and he was a smart guy as you probably gathered and he had he he knew what he wanted and he was going to tell you I like that about him and we were talking about the service, and he said this. He said he knew that the, the, the church would be full of a collection of people, his, his church family, but his friends and family from across the community and across the science community, and the room would be full. And I, it was hundreds of people that day. And then Dave said this. And I've never forgotten it. I've shared it with people over the years. Dave said, Ben... I want you to tell people not to be angry with God. That's an interesting thing to say. He said, I want you to tell people not to be angry. And then he said this, as, as, as by way of explanation. He says, I, I want you to tell people not to be angry with God because I'm not angry with God. And then he said... God didn't give me cancer. But he did give me the answer. He gave me hope. And he gave me Jesus Christ. Huh. Dave had, had been collecting in his mind, in his heart, the most important reminders of God's faithfulness collecting the signs and the memories of God's goodness at that final moment of his life God didn't give me this but he did give me the answer he gave me hope and he gave me Christ and it changes everything Here's what I'm saying. This, this verse is an invitation, a, a, a reminder to collect the signs around you of God's faithfulness. Now, let me, let me bring that right down to practical. Let me make it as practical as I can. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my hobby horse here and you can ignore me. This isn't Bible, this is Ben. There's a difference. 
But, but here, here's, here's my recommendation. Get yourself a journal. It doesn't have to be leather covered and embossed with your name. It can be a little, it can be a little notebook from CVS. You want to save money? Go to Walmart, whatever. Just get yourself something to write in and don't let anybody read it. Those are the rules. It's yours. And use that on a daily basis. You need a place to collect the signs of God's faithfulness. You need a place to express your heart. But, but for the moment, let me just talk about collecting the signs of God's faithfulness. Let me give you three ways to do that. And I like writing them down. Hmm. One, maybe one day when you're experiencing a bit of utsiare. Write down the names, or just the name, of a person that God has blessed you with. Just put the name of someone in your life that's a faithful friend. Just someone that, man, I am so glad this person's in my life. I'm not saying you talk to them every day, I'm not saying you've shared your innermost secrets. I'm not saying you might not have ignored the relationship a little bit, because sometimes we do. But you know that person is a difference maker in my soul. God, I'm so glad for that person. Here's my guess. You're going to write one, and then you're going to write another, and then another, and then another. Write down the name of someone God has blessed you with. Here's something else you can do. Some of you are artists, but you don't have to be an artist. I like to draw pictures. I'm a horrible, horrible artist. I, I can barely draw a stick figure, and even then they're crooked and long-armed and short-legged, and I mean, they just don't look good. But, but I know what I'm writing. I know what I'm drawing. And <clears throat> there's something, sometimes draw a picture of something that's blessed you, something that reminds you of God's faithfulness. Just draw, and sometimes if you, if you were to read through my journal, and you never will, but if you could, when I die, Tammy will have access to my journals, and she's the only one. If she tries to publish them, you stop her, okay? You stop her. Get that, get that on record, right? You'll notice, like, every once in a while, there's little drawings, little pictures. Some of them are the same picture over and over and over again. They're just reminders. It's just a, they're, they're, little, they're little symbols. They're, they're reminders of God's faithfulness. Sometimes they're a, they're a picture of how I feel in the moment, or sometimes they're a picture of how I see the dynamics in my life wrestling out, and they're reminders of God's faithfulness. Just, just a little picture. Here's, here's a powerful one. I, in this case, I, I think in many ways I saved the best for last, but they're all, they're all important. Write down a promise that God has made to you. Scripture. I'm talking about a verse from the Bible. You say, I don't know any verses. There's this amazing new invention. It's called Google. I mean, you don't even need chat GPT. You just, I mean amazing promises of God. I mean, they'll, they'll give you hundreds. Just <clears throat> And there's something about reading through the promises of Scripture, just reading the Scriptures and 
And, and here's what I suggest. When, when you find a verse that just like, or a, a, a passage of verses, and it's just like speaking into your life, right where you're at now, write it down. Write it in your journal that you just went out and bought because I told you to. Write it down. Write the verse down. Something that happens when, when our, our thoughts flow from our mind through our fingertips. We work them out. There's something that happens when we, we write it down on paper. In fact, writing it down is often the first step in memorizing Because I'm not done. Write it down, then write it down again the next day, and then the next day. And after a couple of days, you'll feel like you've got it memorized. You're starting. Memorize it. Memorize it. Now, here's the best part. Say it out loud to yourself. I mean, not when people are around, you know. But when you're alone, when you're out on a walk, when you're in the shower, wherever it is, just, just remind yourself of the promises of God. Speak it out loud. Collect the signs of God's faithfulness in your life. Now, there's one last piece of advice. I love this. Uh, watch, what, watch what happens in, in verse 31. He, he's going to finish this all up, and, and, and there's a, a last piece of this he's, he's going to give us. So he says, So, don't worry about these things. Don't do it. Don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? Now that sounds, on the surface... Honestly, for you type A planners, my people, this sounds irresponsible to you. You've already passed on it. You're like, nope, I'm going to worry. I'm, I'm going to call it something. I'm going to call it strategizing. I'm going to call it good planning. I'm going to call it being responsible. You go be you. Utsiare, utsiare. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. <laughs> you... You, you can live differently because you have a father who loves you. Now, here's what he says last. He says in verse 34, he says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just don't. Now, I don't think this is a, an invitation not to plan or not to strategize or... That's not what it's not so not what it's doing here. In, in fact, the the inference in this whole passage is there are things that are beyond your control. He's talked about clothing and food, both things which we need, and then he talks about tomorrow. Well, that's a broad category. And the idea here is there's a whole lot of things in your life you can't control. I want to give you permission to ignore them. I love that. So here's how I said it. Ignore some things. Like literally, God's given you permission. Ignore it. 
You, does that feel slightly irresponsible? Yes, it does. But God's saying it's not going to work for you. You have no control over it. When you have things in your life, you have no control over it. It's like God is giving you permission to ignore it. To intentionally not put it in front of you. You see, I said it this way a few months ago, that tomorrow, yeah, it was a few months ago, where uh, tomorrow is a bully and it won't leave today alone. And man, it's true. The ugly unknown consumes us to the point where we can't enjoy the beautiful present. The unknown, like, what if? And what are they going to do? And what's going to happen? And the unknown just wraps us up and we miss the present. Can I tell you what? I think this is the worst invention of the internet age, or at least it should be in contention for the top 10. And I think it started on the iPhone and now it's spread to other things. It's this, um, it's this thing when you're texting people and somebody texts you and then this little bubble shows up with three dots. It's called an ellipsis. And it means they're typing something else. You know what I'm talking about? I think Facebook does it too. And dot, dot, dot. Oh, 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 that's not everything. What else is coming? Well, that was good news. Is there bad news now? What's, what's, what's going on? What's a, and you're, you ever, ever hold your breath? In fact, the other day, I looked to see if there's a way to turn it off. There's not. I can't even turn it off. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. I can't even enjoy the message because I'm, I'm worried about the message that's not coming. You know, the worst part is when you see the dot, 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 disappear. Oh, they just deleted something. They were going to say something and now they don't want to say it. Isn't that worse? You ever write somebody and say, what were you going to say? We're so wrapped up in the ugly unknown. The thing we can't control tomorrow and, and Jesus is, is, is saying to us, I give you permission to ignore. You, you have no control. Where you find things that are out of your control, I'm giving you permission. And the reason you can ignore them is not because you found a new way to bury your head in the sand. The reason you can ignore them is because, right back to the beginning, you have a Father who loves you. And He knows. You have a Father who loves you. And He knows. Sometimes we just need that reminder, right? 
We just need to, to pause in the middle of everything that's happening just to be reminded of this. God loves you. That's it. He loves you. He knows everything about you. Every struggle and every secret, every place you've stumbled, every embarrassing failure. And he loves you. And he said, this is why your life can be less and less anxious because he loves you. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and we close our eyes just for a moment to to maybe reflect on what God is, is saying to us. Maybe you're already mentally writing in your journal, putting the names of those people down, drawing out a picture, writing out that scripture promise. Father, I pray for each one here who may find themselves just awake in the morning long before they want it to be. Getting a head start on anxiousness. We just want to pause here in this place. Surrounded by family. Worshiping in the presence of our Father who loves us. Reminded again and again and again of your promises. So, Father, I pray for the one who came here today and they came because their life is just full of worry. I pray that they might know this, that you love them and you will never, never leave them. Make your presence real in our lives, Father. Help us to collect the signs of your faithfulness facing this life with faith. We pray in Jesus' name.